This evening I'd like to talk about <clears throat> healing and letting go. As we've mentioned a number of times during this retreat and experience for ourselves, the letting go is very much the heart of this practice. It becomes almost a cliche, just let go. We see we are encouraged to let go not only of our aversions and our resistances, but also to let go of our desires. We're encouraged to let go of our thoughts of the past and our thoughts of the future, and also everything that we hold on to in the present. We're encouraged to let go of the mental states, the thoughts, so many of the notions and images of who we are that arise. And we appreciate on many levels the need to let go and the value of being able to let go of things. When we are able to do it and when it does happen, we experience that letting go is a very liberating, a very freeing experience. And too often and too painfully in our lives, we have experienced the devastating, effects of holding on to things, of clinging and of grasping. And we experience that every time we hold on to things, to anything, in many ways we become a prisoner of the very thing that we are holding on to. We experience that that clinging and holding in our lives, in our minds, creates separation and it creates pain. And sometimes the things that we hold on to we feel are valid. We feel we should hold on to them. Perhaps we feel some valid responses of anger or rage or the desire to change things, to say no. And yet no matter how justified our anger feels or our rage feels, at some point we also realize that we suffer through the clinging, that we suffer through the holding, that every time there is holding on to anything, it creates dwelling, it creates tension within ourselves. And we experience it on every level. We experience what a heavy mind it is, the holding mind. The, we experience it in the form of the re repetition, the seemingly endless repetition of thoughts, of images, of mind states. We experience how frustrating it is to be caught within the endless recycling of emotions that doesn't seem to go anywhere. We experience it when we find ourselves holding on to something that we want and that we don't have. How it leaves us in such a painful place of feeling unfulfilled of feeling frustrated and incomplete within ourselves, and how that very holding on to the desire to have something we don't have constantly exiles and banishes us from the present moment, from being with what is. We experience it in relationship to the past, how different memories, different thoughts about the past, 
can repeat themselves again and again and how that very repetition makes it so difficult for us to open to the present in a very fresh way. How instead we may find ourselves repeatedly filtering the present through the eyes of past experience, through the eyes of memory and through the eyes of images. And in our minds and in our hearts we appreciate deeply the need to let go. We appreciate experientially the freedom that comes from being able to let go. And yet despite that appreciation it is, of course, a much more difficult thing to do than it is to say. We at times find ourselves in the midst of holding, in the midst of repetition, in the midst of clinging, and somewhere within ourselves there's a little voice that's whispering, just let go, just let go, just let go, or you don't need to be here and I don't need to be experiencing this. And yet that voice seems to have so very little power. It is just like a little whisper in the background. And there's many reasons why it is hard to let go. Sometimes it's because we get a certain amount of gratification or satisfaction from the things that we hold on to. Sometimes it's hard to let go because the power of our attention, the strength of our awareness is not very clear, doesn't feel very strong. Sometimes it's difficult to let go because we have a certain ambivalence about letting go. At times, deep within ourselves, not always in a conscious way, we may actually doubt the validity of letting go. We have within ourselves considerable sensitivity, something of an innate awareness that connects us with the world around us. And that sensitivity and awareness means that we feel touched and we feel moved by the pain, by the conflict that exists in our world. We are aware just through our very sensitivity and the openness that we have, that terror and that oppression and that violence are the daily diet of too many people. We are aware to our sensitivity and our awareness that injustice, that violation, that exploitation of dignity, of integrity, is the constant companion of many of those who we share our world with. Some of us, many of us, have had the good fortune to have had some protection in our lives from extreme forms of violence and of deprivation. And yet we are acquainted, no doubt all of us to some extent, with what it feels like, the impact of being exploited, of being undermined, the damaging effects of violence and oppression. There are few of us, very few, who have not encountered some level of those experiences in their lives. 
And we might wonder, is letting go always the appropriate answer? Is letting go always the appropriate response to injustice, to conflict, or to oppression? Is turning away or turning the other cheek the way, the most effective way to bring about the end of violation? Or does letting go in itself simply at times only perpetuate the conflict that exists in our world? Sometimes we may feel, too, that it is almost unethical, somewhat unethical, to turn away from conflict, to simply assume any standpoint that the appropriate response to everything is to let go. We may feel that there is something unethical about pursuing enlightenment, pursuing our own liberation, You know, and it becomes almost a spiritual cliché. You know, that first I'm going to find my own enlightenment or find my own liberation so that I can relieve conflict and relieve suffering in the world. And first I need to solve my own difficulties and do my own inner work before I can turn outwardly to respond in an effective way to the conflict that exists around us. And we may look at those cliches, sometimes those very real paths that are followed, and realistically wonder whether those in our world who in this moment are experiencing oppression or are in the caught in the midst of violence and terror, whether they really appreciate our high aspirations and our wonderful ideals. And sometimes it does seem that letting go, or that stance of letting go of everything, sometimes it seems too idealistic and it also seems too passive. That that letting go seems to be applied in a way that seems to be almost a movement away from the dynamics of life, from the dynamics of conflict that are very real realities. Non-involvement, equanimity, detachment, renunciation also appear to be or to imply a non-participation in the actualities of life, in the actualities of conflict that exist, they imply or can be interpreted almost as a denial or a disconnection from the world around us. And we might well wonder and realistically wonder whether a great deal in terms of terror and exploitation will have changed or would have changed in the past or will change in the present or in the future if we are all assuming this stance of just letting go. We might well wonder whether oppression actually does change until the power of the oppressors is very actively challenged and questioned and taken away. We might well wonder whether inequality and injustice will ever change unless it is actively engaged with, really questioned again, and really consciously changed in in ways that are brought about through our own activity, through our own engagement.
will the destructive political or social structures that exist in our world, will they ever change unless we as individuals very actively refuse to consent to them or to participate in them in any way? Will the ecological crisis in our world, the damage that is inflicted upon our planet, will that change just through letting go? Letting go of our desires for it to be different? Letting go of our responses of outrage that arise? We see in our world there are simply too many victims, far too many victims. And will those numbers truly be reduced through non-attachment? We question, or we might question, find ourselves questioning the wisdom of letting go in relationship to suffering in the world. And our inner experience at times also does reinforce those doubts. We see that it's an actuality in our lives and not everybody in our world holds our well-being at heart. Not everybody in our world treasures our growth and our sensitivity and our awareness and holds them deeply close to themselves. We have experienced that at times there is exploitation, there is cruelty, there is violence. And we must ask ourselves, will that ever change through non-attachment? Will that ever change if we are passive, if we are just observing? Does everything go away when we observe it? (laughs) Not everything does. Watching does not disempower everything. We see this and we may feel that our letting go or assuming a stance of letting go might just make us ineffective. Of course, we also see the other extreme of just releasing our feelings of outrage. It's also not too effective. You know, some people look at meditation, they say, well, it's much too passive, you know. What do you do with your emotions? You know, you have to release them. You have to kind of put them out there in order to be heard. But putting them out there, you know, putting our emotions out there, that's never been a real problem in our culture. You know, our culture is filled with people who have no trouble whatsoever releasing and expressing themselves and their emotions. You know, you go into cities around here, you know, I went into Worcester, you know, this guy kicking his car, you know, somebody... We are shouting at somebody else on the street. They're really good at expressing themselves. And I don't necessarily see that, that, you know, that there's some great freedom inherent in being able to express ourselves, nor that it necessarily brings about change. And yet when we doubt letting go, we are sometimes lukewarm about it, that's for sure. You know, if we have these underlying, this underlying ambivalence about the effectiveness of letting go, we find ourselves somewhat confused, we find ourselves ambivalent. It's also true, though, that we doubt our doubts. Because we come to, we have a spiritual heritage, all of us, even if it's your first retreat, you quickly get it. We have a spiritual heritage which says, tells us again and again of the need to let go, 
that tells us again and again that letting go is actually the path to freedom. We not only have a belief system, we also have our own inner experience on a moment-to-moment level of the freedom, of the opening that can come on a very deep level within ourselves through being able to let go. And so at times there can be this conflict of inner values. It's been brought up even in the question period today. This conflict of inner values, of deeply wanting the freedom from clinging and of wanting the freedom from holding and appreciating the need to let go. And yet at the same time, we also appreciate the need for healing the need, very, con- very urgent need for healing to bring about the end of conflict and the end of terror and violence. And we wonder, rightly too, who is going to initiate that healing except for us? Who is actually going to bring about change in our world except for us? It's simply too much of a cop-out to leave healing to the healers. To feel, well, there are already people who are taking care of it. You know, there's the ecologists and the activists and the feminists and and all of them, the therapists and all of these people. And I'll leave it to them because they're the experts. It's far too an unrealistic attitude to have. Our awareness tells us in on a moment-to-moment level, that we are participants in the world that we live in, that we have an undeniable relationship to the world around us, to all of life, that we contribute to the well-being of our world, and we can also contribute to the destructiveness in our world through our thoughts, through our speech, through our actions. We make ripples upon the world by our very presence. Ripples which can be great waves of distraction. Ripples which can also be waves of harmony and peace. Our awareness that is within us does not allow for a kind of cosmic ignorance that tells, that can say that the world is not affected by us nor are we affected by the world around us. We have an awareness, there is no possibility in our awareness of a cosmic ignorance that can say, well, there's really no connection between the inner and the outer. That is a game. It's a kind of pursuit even that is not uncommon in our culture. It's a pursuit where we are actually encouraged at times because it is safer, because it is more numbing, to inhabit a very limited world picture. And it's so easy to fall into the seductiveness of that trap, to inhabit a very narrow world vision where in it what is really important is a pursuit of our objectives, our desires, our gains, where the most fundamental principle or guiding principle is to accumulate as much comfort and security as we can and to avoid as much pain or awareness of pain as we can. This is called success in our world. 
being able to do that, to manipulate and modify our world in such a way that we are not exposed to pain, that we are not exposed to discomfort, and that we are not aware. This is labeled success. But we must see in this world picture that this kind of cosmic ignorance is also cosmic destructiveness. That there is no other word and no other impact upon a, of that kind of success except a kind of cosmic destructiveness. Our awareness frees us of those delusions. Our awareness frees us of that kind of cosmic ignorance or that universal ignorance. And our awareness encourages us to question, us to question, how are we going to reconcile this seeming contradiction, this apparent contradiction that seems to exist between letting go and healing? How do we reconcile this apparent contradiction between what seems to be the inactivity of letting go and the activity of healing. And it's a necessary reconciliation. It's important to be free of any contradiction because when we have ambivalence, when we are uncertain about, our, about the effectiveness of our path, we simply become locked into ineffectiveness and locked into confusion. And you know the first sign of being locked into confusion is the assumption of standpoints and the assumption of beliefs and expression of opinions. And some of them may be familiar to us. We may say and decide, well, healing is a priority. Our world is in danger. There are people who are suffering and healing is a priority. And out of that, in a very wholehearted way, we may launch ourselves into activism very sincerely and with very genuine motivations. And yet we carry into that activity our inner relationship, our relationship to the world. And how many times I've listened to the anguish and the grief and the despair of peacemakers who know they are sowing the seeds of alienation through the rage and, and, and the anger that arises within themselves, who know, who feel deeply within themselves to be ineffective in their peacemaking because they don't know deeply enough yet the lessons of inner peacemaking. The other stance, of course, is to say, well, no, I will pursue my own freedom first so that when I go back out there, I'm going to be clear and I'm going to be compassionate and I'm not going to make any mistakes. But quite frankly, this belief so often ends up in people becoming kind of spiritual wimps and marshmallows. You know, that they're always something more, going to become more giving, more loving, more generous, less angry, less defensive, more open, and it becomes just a kind of wishy-washy inner environment 
that is increasingly distant and disconnected from the world and that is also quite ineffective. Or in assuming or in the pursuit of one's own liberation, always on the fringe of our consciousness is the suffering that exists in our world, is the grief that exists in our world, And sometimes then our awareness becomes a burden because we feel like we're always trying to shut it out or we feel guilty. Or at times even spirituality in that pursuit we feel we must harden our hearts. We must close ourselves off to the impact of suffering lest it disturbs us too much or distracts us too much in some way. To me I don't see and I deeply don't believe that there is actually any contradiction between letting go and healing. It's not that there is any magical solution. It's not that there is any magical formula that brings about a reconciliation. Rather, I feel letting go is made possible through healing. Just as radical healing is made possible through being able to let go. That that they are not opposites. That these two must always be companions. That they are deeply, fundamentally linked together. It leads to too many frustrations to make artificial divisions between inner and outer. And that is a basis of understanding this path. You know, as we deepen in this path, we see actually that the divisions between inner and outer are extraordinarily transparent. They are created by the mind and the mind finds safety in them. But they are so superficial. Within ourselves, within the world, they are clear principles clear actualities that occur, that are shared, that don't observe those boundaries of inner and outer. There is a capacity to experience pain and fear. There is a capacity to suffer. There is a capacity to experience conflict and grief. There is also the capacity to experience joy and connectedness and oneness. None of those observe. None of those are personal territories nor territories of other. They are principles of life that we share with all living beings, that all living beings share with us. As we look too at those experiences and those actualities, we also see that so much suffering, so much conflict and so much pain is clearly unnecessary. It is caused It is caused through and can be traced back to so much clinging and attachment and holding. And that that clinging and that attachment is what gives birth to so many of the distorted values that cause pain and that cause suffering. The desire for power, the desire for self-protection, the desire for uh, disconnection, the greed, the notions or the desire for, for self-aggrandizement, 
All of this creates so much unnecessary waves of pain in the world around us. We see that the victims of damage, of terror, of violence, they are created through other victims. Those who are victims of their own distorted values and their own distorted beliefs. And the common thread is scarring, it is wounding, it is pain. And looking at that, we see what an urgent need there is for healing. But what are the ingredients that make healing possible and make healing effective? What are the ingredients that make letting go possible? What are the ingredients within ourselves, the understanding that within ourselves that can allow us to let go of clinging and all of the pain attached to clinging? When we speak about letting go and when we speak about healing, we're not really talking about small activities of mind. Really we are speaking about radical transformation within ourselves and within the world. We're talking about deep levels of commitment and transformation made possible through that commitment. We don't need resolutions. We don't need standpoints. We don't need opinions. We don't need to adopt missions or identities of either being a healer or a spiritual seeker. All of that, all of those identities and those roles and those opinions often are just yet another expression of clinging and can equally distract us from the transformations that need to take place that we are called upon to make. The ingredients that make possible healing, the ingredients that make possible letting go, are very simple. They are love, they are compassion, they are wisdom. They seem too simplistic. And yet what enables us to go beyond the hold of anger and resentment? What enables us to let go of possessiveness and greed? What empowers us to reach out to others, to touch the heart of others, to bring about the end of suffering? not resolutions. It is love, it is compassion, and it is wisdom. They are also the ingredients that free us of being ensnared and captured by the past, by clinging to the present, by making demands of the future. Love and compassion and wisdom, they are the tools of healing, both inwardly and outwardly. They manifest, allow us to manifest a relationship to the world which is an expression of our own inner relationship. Love and compassion and wisdom bring about inner healing. They restore to us an authentic sense of vision. The past is healed through an authentic sense of vision. In the present, the past is let go of through an authentic sense of vision in the present. An authentic sense of vision emerges out of love, out of compassion, out of wisdom, out of being able to embrace the totality of who we are 
without resistance, without anger, without denial. Out of that merges a genuine sense of vision of who we are, in which the past is let go of, in which we make no demands of the present. That inner relationship is the foundation of every other relationship. That inner healing is the foundation of every other healing we are empowered to bring about in our lives. Love and compassion and wisdom, they are not sanctuaries of idealism. They are fundamental to living a life of dignity and a life of integrity. And they are the vehicles of radical transformation. We hold the ingredients, we hold those ingredients for transformation within ourselves. We don't need to go to experts. We don't need, we can be supported by others, but we don't need to turn outside. We don't need to reach so much to find that capacity to bring about transformation. When we sit, we experience more and more clearly a sense of connectedness within ourselves. Veils of disconnection fall away. Disconnection is created through resistance. Disconnection is created through clinging to images, to notions, to false sense of identity. As we sit, those threads, those veils of disconnection begin to dissolve. We experience a greater and greater sense of connection to ourselves in this moment we experience that that connection is brought about through letting go. And that letting go we experience deeply as an act of compassion for ourselves. That it is no compassion to live within the walls of images. It is no compassion to cling to identities that are rooted in the past, in holding, in anger or in denial. And we experience that letting go can be deeply organic. And that that very letting go heals in this moment. That healing is not necessarily a place that we reach in the future, but it is a moment-to-moment -moment relationship that we extend to ourselves. That every time, every moment that we can extend love, every moment that we extend compassion, Every moment that we extend sensitivity, in that moment there is healing. If the effects of it are not always so evident, we don't necessarily end a sitting feeling, oh yes, I've healed this. But every moment we are able to do that, we strengthen our own awareness, we strengthen an authentic sense of vision, we strengthen our capacity for connectedness that capacity for connectedness we experience as our own consciousness expands, how it expands to embrace the world around us. That that kind of clinging limits us and as the clinging is let go of, our consciousness expands to embrace everything and everyone around us. That we find we are empowered by letting go. That letting go is the roots of effectiveness. It is that rooted in wisdom. 
There's nothing passive whatsoever about letting go, but neither is it an activity of self. And that is so important to see. That some place that there is something other than passivity and self-assertion. There is pure response. There is pure response that is born of wisdom and born of compassion. That as, that as we are rooted in wisdom and compassion, when the consciousness is opened, we feel deeply empowered in every moment in our lives. We know when the appropriate response is to say no. We know when we need to be active. We know when we need to be present. We know that deeply in a very, very intuitive way. Not through our minds telling us, I should be compassionate here. I need to be loving here. I need to be giving here. We are rooted in compassion. The Buddha was once asked, would it be true to say that our part of our practice is for the development of love and compassion? He said it would not be true to say that a part of our practice is for developing love and compassion. It would be true to say that the whole of our practice is for the development and love of love and compassion. Because it doesn't matter how much of a portfolio we have of spiritual experiences and attainments if we do not know how to touch the heart of another, if we do not know how to touch the life of another with love, our spiritual life has yet to begin. And we learn the learning to touch our own hearts, learning to reach inwardly, learning to extend sensitivity, is never isolated to an inner experience, but organically embraces everything around us. Wisdom emerges out of our own our own openness and our own spaciousness. And established in an authentic sense of vision within ourselves, we are actually free of the constraints of fear, which so often inhibit our capacity to respond. Established in our own integrity, we do find that we cannot tolerate a lack of or a violation of integrity anywhere in our world. Established in compassion, we find that we cannot tolerate violence, we cannot tolerate injustice, and we know how to respond. Free of reaction, we are also empowered to call upon our own resources of wisdom, of sensitivity, to initiate skillful and healing action everywhere around us, towards everything in our world. And we see on a moment-to-moment level that as we let go, we heal. And as we heal, we also let go. And we understand what it means to live a life of compassion and to live a life of wisdom. And we understand what it means to be empowered, to respond in skillful and in clear and in healing ways through the power of our own seeing and through the power of our own sensitivity. May all beings live with awareness.
May all beings live with love. May all beings live with compassion. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.